There's some deeds here, man. Uh, but my, my all-time favorite, though, is this one. My all-time favorite. For those of you who are not Apple fans, here, here we go. This is one for you. Michael Soft Binbos. Michael Soft Binbos. Dude. <laughs> man, I ain't, I ain't taking nothing there. <laughs> right? You know what? We like our brands. We like our brands and we don't want to go stuff like this. We don't go to stores like this. Why? Because we know what to expect when we have a brand name. We know exactly what to expect. And it may cost more, but it meets our expectations and the benefits are better. Amen? It may cost more, but it meets our expectations and the benefits are better. When it comes to us as believers, the brand we use to identify ourselves is the word Christian. And for some reason, that brand has lost the cost, the expectations, and the quality it used to have. Anything can be Christian nowadays. Christian shoes, Christian shirts, Christian, you know, I mean, Christian movie, Christian business, Christian country, Christian everything. And it's, it's become so commonly used that we don't even know what to expect from something that has the label Christian on it. Christian can almost mean anything someone wants it to mean. I mean... I was watching, um, what was it like? Like I was watching TV the other day and um, they, they came on with, with this thing where this guy, he was visiting like the Ku Klux Klan and kind of doing some interviews. And the one word I used over and over again was, I am a... And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Christian can be anything from the extreme of a, you know, a good, law-abiding, church-going, patriotic, American... Happy 4th of July. <laughs> so this weekend, everybody's a Christian. Or it can be, on the other extreme, it can be um, somebody who is judgmental, hypocritical, mean-spirited, sour-faced, and glad everybody is going to hell except them. <laughs> come on, how many of you know some? Come on now, come on. So, yeah. If you don't know one, maybe you are... Maybe you're that one. But interestingly, Christian wasn't the brand name that the Bible used to describe us. The brand that that the Bible used was more costly, had higher standards and greater benefits. Mm. It's a brand that would make most of us uncomfortable to use it. And if we heard anybody using it about themselves, we'd think that they're arrogant. Because it's one of those brands that makes us uncomfortable. But it's the only brand that's used consistently throughout the Bible to describe the followers of Jesus. How many of you know the name I'm talking about? What's that name? Disciple. Disciple. Jesus never called his followers Christians. He called them disciples. And the reason why disciple is so threatening to us is because disciple is much better defined in the Bible than Christian is. So when we think disciple, we go, oh, I'm not that, but I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Hallelujah. I'm a churchgoer. I'm born again. 
I'm saved. Hallelujah. Are you a disciple? Um, um, what do you mean? <laughs> so we get a little bit nervous about that. Somewhere, we lost the value in Christian. And Christian became a cheap brand. Like Microsoft Binbos. <laughs> kind of look like the real thing, but somehow it lost it. So where did this, this word Christian come from? The Christian, that word Christian first showed up in the Bible years and years and years after Jesus uh, died and resurrected. And I'll show you Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Acts chapter 11, verse 25. I'm going to show you where this, this word came up. Because when that word was first used, it wasn't even used in a positive way necessarily. When that first was, word was first used, it was used in a way to describe us, but it wasn't necessarily used in a positive way. It was actually used mockingly. It was kind of like, hey, you Christians, <laughs> you know, you're, you're Christians. Uh, Acts chapter 11 verse 25 says this, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. Catch this. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. You didn't know that, did you? The disciples were first called Christians. You know, words, the Antiochans, Antiochies, I don't know what they call it, Antioch people, right? The Antioch people looked at the disciples and said, Hey, you guys are little Christs, basically. You're little anointed ones. They did it mockingly. But that's a really powerful statement. That we're actually anointed like Christ. But somewhere over time, where disciple and Christian used to mean the same thing, it doesn't anymore. Christian has become the imitation of disciple. Now let me tell you something. I ain't telling you to go around and tell people that I'm no longer a Christian, I'm a disciple. I ain't saying that. I'm saying we need to restore the value to Christian. Like a name brand, discipleship has a cost, it has some expectations, and it has some benefits. Discipleship has a cost. Tell the person beside you, discipleship has a cost. Oh yes, it does. Um, Let me tell you what a disciple is, just to kind of give you an understanding of where we're going. A disciple is a devoted follower, a student, or an apprentice. And this is really going to be important for you to understand that a disciple is not just somebody who just believes, but it's somebody who is a student, who is an apprentice, who is a devoted follower. That's what Christians ought to be. But unfortunately, sometimes Christians don't look like that. So I'm going to kind of separate a little bit just for a discussion. What a Christian kind of looks like in today's society and what a disciple looks like, okay? And you tell me which one you are based on this thing. A a Christian is someone who sees Jesus as their Savior, but disciple who sees Jesus as their Lord. Um... The disciple doesn't stop at thank you for saving me. The disciple says, now what do you want me to do? And too many times people get saved and they never take the next step of saying, what do you want me to do? The uh, pastor calls it fire insurance. We get fire insurance and then we're done. But there is more to this life than that. 
Amen. How many of you know if Jesus just wanted to save you, that you would have died the day you accepted him as Lord and Savior? How many of you know if heaven was the goal? Oh, yeah, Jesus, come into my heart. <laughs> Take him out. How many of you nobody else would get saved? A Christian is someone who knows the word. But a disciple is someone who, come on, say it with me. Lives the word. <laughs> They're going to live that word, boy. They're going to say, man, how is this word going to... You see, a Christian will get into the word. Uh, a disciple wants the word to get into them. A Christian is excited about... Uh, well, maybe not excited, but they're, they're good with confession. They confess. But disciples are satisfied till they repent. A Christian is all about believing in Jesus. A disciple... Is all about becoming like Jesus. A Christian is happy they're saved. A disciple wants to be surrendered. It's kind of like the iPhone 6 and then the iPhone 6 Plus. The disciple is the plus version, it's like the upgrade. It's like the next step. It just, it gives just a wider capacity. The bandwidth is greater. The internet is faster. The whole thing. It's like, everything is greater in discipleship. And here's the thing. My heart breaks. Listen to me. My heart breaks for people who aren't experiencing God's best because they haven't given God their best. Somehow they feel like, man, why isn't this working in my life? Why isn't that working? Why am I still in bondage? Why is still stuff still going on? Why am I still so frustrated? And a part of it, and they don't realize, is that they're satisfied with being Christian in name only and not becoming a disciple, a student, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And it hurts because I see and I go, man, you don't even know how much He has for you. Because you're not willing to step across the line in the sand. Jesus didn't even make it easy either for people to follow him. I don't know. If you read the Bible sometimes, I think sometimes Jesus is crazy. He didn't make it easy for you to become a disciple. He told people up front that the cost is pretty high to follow me. It was a privilege to actually bear his name. It was a privilege to be called a disciple. It was a privilege to have Jesus tattooed on you and just kind of walk around and say, Hey man, that guy's he's one of those. He's branded. It was hard to be branded with Jesus. Because Jesus just made it up front. Just made you know. Uh, Luke 14. I'm going to show you how hard Jesus made it. Luke 14. Jesus shows these guys. He's, he has a whole multitude following him. I don't know. I mean, most of us, man, if a multitude is following you, we're just, we're just kind of happy. Jesus is like, hey, I'm glad that you all are following me, but um, let me tell you what it really means to follow me. Now, great multitude, Luke 14. Now, great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, whoo, that's pretty heavy right there. For some of you, you're like, oh, that's easy. That, that's, <laughs> that ain't no problem. I already do that. <laughs> Does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, and his own life, he, read it with me, cannot be my disciple. 
And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, say it again, cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? Like think this thing through, whether he has enough to finish it. I'm jumping down to verse 33. So likewise, here's a kicker, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. What's Jesus saying? He's saying the cost of being my disciple was to give him everything. The cost was a total surrender. It was, uh, I must have every era of your life. I've got to be Lord over all. I've got to be Lord over every room, every part of your body, every part of your mind, every part of your soul. I've got to be Lord over it. I've got to be number one. Uh, there was an old song that said, 99 and a half won't, just won't do. I need all of you. I'm not going to be second place. I need all of you because I gave you all of me. I gave you all of me. So I need all of you. All your flaws and imperfections. Alright, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. That's a God song right there. I don't care what anybody wants to say. That's a God. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He said, man, I gave you everything. I gave you everything. Uh, Billy Graham said it this way. He said, salvation is free. But discipleship costs you everything we have. It costs everything we have. So if your Christianity isn't costing you something, perhaps you have the wrong brand. Oh, that's heavy right there. You got to process process that. If your Christianity isn't costing you something, perhaps you have the wrong brand. Perhaps you have the cheap version. And dude, man, if you went online and you saw the latest pair of Jordans and they were like 15 bucks a piece, you'd be like, hey, that ain't real. That ain't real. Let me tell you something. If your Christianity ain't costing you, there's something not right, man. Something not right about that. There's something, something is cheap about that. Somebody is making up something and giving you a, a six for a nine. Are you with me? Somebody's bait and switching you, man. Somebody's giving you something that ain't authentic. You've got, you got to step back and say, man, what is my commitment to Christ costing me? Because man, it's got to cost you something. It's going to cost you some, some pride. It's going to cost some selfishness. It's going to cost you some lust. It's going to cost you some, some stuff in your head, some jealousies. and There's some stuff that I've got to put down. It's got to cost you. Mark 8 verse 34. This is Jesus again. Jesus called the people to himself with his disciples also. He said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires, watch this, to save his life. Whoever desires to hold on to their life, to their stuff, to who I am. And you know what? I'm a Christian, but you know what? I ain't going to change. God made me the way I am. I ain't going to change. Listen, when you get to a place where you think that, hey, you know what? I ain't going to change. 
Then what you're saying is, well, what? I am holding on to me, no matter what God says. Well, that's just who I am. Well, you don't even know how I grew up. Well, you don't even know about my past. Well, you know what? I've had this habit for years. It ain't going to break now. He says this, Whoever holds on to his life, desires to save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, and the gospels will save it. Whoever gives, whoever puts that at the altar, whoever says, God, I'm giving it to you. He says, you'll save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And in the midst of that, loses his soul. And the audience at the time would have said, it would gain him nothing. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing. I wouldn't give anything in exchange for my soul. Then he says, then give it to me. If you give it to me, you'll save it. You know, every, every brand has a logo. Every brand has a logo. Nike has its swoosh and Jordan has its guy thing. <laughs> every brand has a logo. You know, the logo of Christianity is the cross. The cross is a symbol of death. Don't think you can come to the cross and not die. That's critical right there. Once you come to the cross, here's what Paul says, I am crucified with him. I'm going to die. I'm crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Look, there is a power that comes from you dying to you. There's a power that comes. Jesus says, unless the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, unless it does that, it cannot produce. It cannot produce. There is a death that we have to experience. Paul said it this way, I die daily. Every day I get up and say, you know what God? It ain't about me anymore. You know what God? It's not about me. I'm, I'm laying it down. That's what Christianity ought to be. Hello. See, discipleship has a cost. But discipleship also has some expectations. Just like our name brand. You have a cost, you have some expectations. When Jesus called people to himself, he didn't give them the choice of whether to be committed or not committed. He said, like, hey, you know what, man, I need some of you guys to follow me. Well, you busy? Right, no problem. Whenever you're ready, don't worry about it. It's cool, man. Would you? He, he wasn't like that. In fact, when Jesus called people to follow him, he was. It's not like how we follow people on Facebook, right? Okay. Some of you guys, like when people pop up on Facebook, you just you just follow everybody, and everybody follow you, right? Twitter is worse because you don't even you don't even have to accept them. And Twitter, they just follow you regardless of what. You know, there are there are no rules. There are no like, hey, you know what? Follow me if you're your friend. Anything. Here, here's Jesus. Jesus would have a terrible Twitter account. He would, because he would put so many requirements on people who are going to follow him. It was like, hey, I don't even know this guy. Hmm. Here's here's what he said. Um, Luke 9, I'm going to read it out of the message version. It says this, on the road, someone asked if he could go along. I'll go with you wherever, he said. Jesus was caught. Are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best inns, you know. (laughs) 
said to another, follow me. He said, certainly. But first, excuse me for a couple of days, please. I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. Jesus refused. What? Don't you know, Jesus, whoever has the most followers is popular? Jesus refused. Watch this. He didn't reject the man. He rejected his excuse. Jesus refused. He said, watch this. First things first. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. (laughs) He said, proclaim, announce God's kingdom. Then another said, I'm ready to follow you, master. But first excuse me while I get things straightened out at home. Jesus said, no procrastination. No backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off. Till tomorrow. Seize the day. Man, when I was younger, I used to think to myself, man, after I get married, after I have kids, after I settle down, then I'll become a Christian. How many of you know that Jesus arrested me right there in the middle of that prayer? He's like, I ain't waiting on you. I'm coming right now. My response had to be, okay, I'm ready. Because guess what? He wasn't going to wait on me. It wasn't based on my... Watch this. Jesus isn't waiting on your agenda to line up with Him. He already has an agenda for you. And too many times, we kind of treat Jesus as if He is the, uh, the disciple and we are the master. We're like, Jesus, follow me. <laughs> but you can't get the benefits of a follower if you're not following a lot of us want the benefits of a follower, but we're not following. The very idea that disciples are even different from Christians is a branding problem. I mean, what we've basically said is, I can belong to Him, believe in Him, and benefit from Him without becoming like Him. That's not the Bible. That's not biblical. That's not how it is. Jesus set the standard. If you believe in me, you're going to be like me. If you belong to me, you're going to, believe, you're going to be like me. If you want to benefit from me, you're going to be like me. The idea that only pastors and full-time ministers should walk, talk, think and behave like Jesus is a problem. When we make pastors, watch this, the title pastor more important than the title Christian, we have a problem. Hear me, we have a problem. Because let me tell you something, I'm a Christian first. I'm, I'm a child of God first. And let me tell you something, whether I'm, I was a pastor or not, there are certain standards that would be in my life regardless. It's not my title that gave me that. And we've just made Christians so cheap that pastor now is more important. That ain't what Jesus, Jesus didn't call. That's not how he works. Man, if you're following me, whether you're leading anybody else or not, if you're following me, there's a standard. And so Jesus expects all of us to be fully, watch this word, surrendered to Him. Being a disciple means deciding that Jesus is Lord over every area of my life. I used to, there was a saying when I was a, a teenager that, that said, uh, either He's Lord of all or not at all. Either He's Lord of all or not at all. That's why James says that faith without works is what? Is dead. What he was saying is, I can tell what you believe by your behavior. 
Now listen, he's not saying you get saved by your works. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying that if you're saved, all of a sudden I'm going to see something different about you. Come on now. You can't be the same you were last year. If you Come on, Jesus must have done something different in your life. You must have changed somewhere. Because guess what? The change starts from the inside out. And if I'm born again, then something starts to grow inside of me that starts to change me on the outside. And all of a sudden people around me say, Hey, you know what? You kind of seem different. What happened? Oh my girl, let me tell you what happened. Jesus. There's a change. There's a change. So the reason, the reason Jesus invites us to come to him is so that we can become like him. That's his expectation. The expectation of the discipleship brand is to be like Jesus. And you know what's funny about this? We expect other people to meet the expectation. We don't expect us. It is so easy for us to look at other people and say, hmm, and they call themselves a Christian. But we don't talk about ourselves that way. Um, So why would you want to do this? Why would you want to pay the price? Why would you want to meet the expectations? Because discipleship has benefits. Discipleship has benefits just like any name brand. Uh, One time Peter said to to Jesus, he was kind of saying to him, Hey, listen man, I am a real disciple. Here's what Peter said. Peter said, "Um, we've left our homes to follow you. This is Luke 8, 28. Uh, Jesus said, yes, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life. In other words, here, here's, here's, here's the deal. And you'll have life. You know what? He kind of tacked on the end to And you will have eternal life in the life to come. Because guess what? That's, that's an assurance. That's done. But here's what Jesus was saying. There is nothing that you can give me that I will ever owe you. I will never owe you. I'll never owe you anything. If you give me your life, you don't think you're going to get that back? Man, by the time I'm finished with your life, you'll be looking back at your old life thinking, Whoa, I was afraid to give that up. (laughs) That was nothing. Look at what the Lord has done. The life that you will get is so much better than the life that you gave up. If you would just trust Him. I I have a scripture for those of us who have joined the gym but haven't actually gone to the gym. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see. First Timothy 4, 8. And by the way, for all of you gym people, let me just rub this in your face right now, okay? Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Oh, come on out. Hallelujah. I'm holding on to that scripture. It's my life scripture right there. That's my life scripture right there. Why? Because it promises benefits in this life. And in the life to come, godliness, following hard after Him, becoming like Him, promises benefits in this life. You say, well, what what kind of benefits? You have access to the benefits of every promise. Every promise of protection, every promise of provision, every promise of prosperity in the world. Uh, Let me read this. This is something that just, just, you know, listen to this. Being a disciple means that you have peace in your storm, Joy in your journey, 
Hope in hopelessness, direction in darkness, wisdom in confusion, increase in scarcity, undeserved blessing, undeserved favor, and undeserved victory. Come on. You got to put your hands together for that. That's the benefit of being a disciple. But there's one I really want to highlight on this 4th of July weekend. And that is freedom. Freedom. John 8.31 says this. Jesus says uh, to those Jews who believe Him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So the purpose of surrender is freedom. When I come to Him and I say, God, I'm giving you every area of my life. I'm submitted fully to you. Everything that even the stuff that I don't even want it to touch, I'm saying, God, touch it. What you're saying is, I'm ready to be free. You see, the issues you're struggling with is not something that can be fixed from the outside. Sometimes we feel if we just change our environment or we just change our behavior, that stuff is in your heart. You've got to be changed from the inside out. Just because you don't hang around that person doesn't mean you don't still have an anger issue. Just because a thief is in jail doesn't mean that he doesn't steal anymore for the, for because the last 10 years he hasn't had the opportunity. <laughs> Romans 6.6 6. We're going to close with this scripture. Romans 6.6 6 says, We know that our old sinful selves, watch this, <laughs> were crucified with Christ. That's the death right there. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, here's the, here is the formula. Here is what the benefit, how the benefit works. Instead, give yourselves completely, 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 completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Turn to the person beside you and say, Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Let me just, let me say this. I, I, I say this all the time in church. And sometimes we don't get it. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace gives you freedom from sin. It gives you the ability to overcome the power of sin in your life. But the only way grace works is when you come before him and give him all. Because God says this, I will give grace to the humble. The humble is the person who says, God, I can't do it by myself. 
The humble is the person who says, God, I don't just want you to be my Savior. I want to be Lord. The humble is the one who says, this, God, I'm surrendering. I'm giving everything. I'm not going to depend on myself, on my own intellect. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. God, I'm giving everything to you. He says, I can give grace to that. I can give grace to you there. I can help you to overcome what's been binding you all this time. But you've got to let it go. The humble is the person who hears Jesus' call and says, Master, I'm willing. I'm willing to lay down my life so I can have yours. You see, this 4th of July weekend, God wants you to be free. God wants you to be free of your habits. He wants you to be free of the issues that are in your, your head, your fears, your hurts, your addictions, your insecurities, the negative thoughts and the guilt and the shame and the things that you carry around with you. And God wants you to be free, but He doesn't want you to be free and independent. He wants you to be free and fully dependent on Him. So this morning as we get ready to close, would you bow your heads with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God's calling us to freedom. But it only comes through the price of surrender. So if you're here this morning, before I even ask you to ask Jesus in your heart, you may be a born-again Christian. And you know this message is for you. And you're saying, you know what? I need to switch my thinking. I need to be a disciple. I need to be fully submitted and fully committed. If that's you this morning, raise your hand because I want to pray for you this morning. Just raise your hand right where you see. I see hands going up all over the place, all over the place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, you're doing a great work. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what? You can put your hands down because I'm going to pray for you in a moment. I also want to pray for somebody here this morning who says, I'm not, I'm not a Christian, but I know God's calling me. And if I die,